listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Well, hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 99 of the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. We are inching our way to 100, aren't we? (laughs) Today, I get to introduce you to one of my brand new favorite picture books, and you'll get to hear from the husband and wife author illustrator team. Excited about that. Episode 100's coming in two weeks, and it's a very special episode with the author of the Penderwick series, Jeannie Birdsall. So that one you're not going to want to miss. Just some really good shows to round up and finish up season 12 of the podcast. After our 100th episode, we'll be taking mm, about six weeks off and then we'll be back with season 13 and another excellent lineup of shows. If you have not seen our show notes, you want to go check those out. You can do that for today's show by visiting readaloudrevival.com slash 99. And what you'll find there are the best takeaways and key points from the podcast you'll find complete transcripts. Seriously, you can access complete transcripts for every episode of the podcast. You can also find a time-stamped listener guide. So if there's something one of the guests or you heard said or that you heard on the podcast and you want to remember, you will probably find a little cue in that listener guide that will help you hop around so you don't have to re-listen to the whole thing. Or if you're short on time and you just want to listen to a snippet, that's a good place to go to. Just head to the show notes, readaloudrevival.com slash 99 for today's show notes to get all of that for free. Well, Kenneth and Sarah Jane Wright, I am so happy to have you here on the Read Aloud Revival. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Okay, so I'm really excited. I have to tell you, the first time I saw your new book, Lola Dutch, I had received it in the mail and I I saw it briefly when I was like after dinner, you know, the total after dinner craziness mayhem. I had ripped over, opened a few packages. I saw the cover and I thought, oh yeah, we're reading that bedtime tonight. See what that's all about. (laughs) So I read it too. I have six kids from 16 all the way down to four, but the six-year-old and the twin four-year-olds, I always do their bedtime story together. And so I read Lola Dutch to them twice in a row. I, I first, I went, you know, read the whole thing. And then they immediately each get to pick a book. So then the next twin wanted to read the book again. And so we read it again. And then I realized that when I took off the jacket of the book, it it just kept getting better because on the jacket of this book, and listeners, I can't show this to you because this is a podcast, but if you go to the show notes for this episode, I'll put a picture up. If you look at the book jacket, there's actually little cutout paper dolls of Lola Dutch and Bear. And the jacket, when you flip it over, is a background scene that you can play with your figures on, which is genius. I mean, whose idea was that? It was actually my idea as an illustrator. And we just thought, has this ever been done before? And we did our research and our research. And our publishing house was at first a little bit curious. I mean, they'd never done this before. They'd never heard of this well, before. Their, their initial idea was to just make a poster, you know, and just put something on the back there. But yeah, so, yeah I had a, a better idea. Yeah. So it was... It was our idea. Lola Dutch is, and we'll get into this, is curious about everything and incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. So we just figured, how could this book just go back on the shelf? After you read it, you want to like, you have that same energy as Lola Dutch has. And so we wanted to make sure kids 
could have a creative experience after finishing the last sentence. And so we decided to turn the book itself into a creative experience. So it's so brilliant. I never know what to do with book jackets, but as soon as I saw that, I thought, okay, this is brilliant. Right. And with six kids, you totally understand. I used to have a drawer in my nightstand full of just dust covers. I know exactly. (laughs) What are you going to throw them away? But what are you going to do with them? And so I told my publishing company, I said, look, most parents are just either storing these, throwing them away or get rid of, getting rid of them or they're getting ruined. So if it's going to get ruined in the three months, let's give them an experience yeah. to have in the meantime. Let's have some so fun good. before it's ripped to shreds. So good. I just heard someone told me that they use their desk covers as wrapping paper for gifts. And I thought, oh, that's really smart. I might have to start. I have a lot of wrapping paper then because I have a huge crate full of dust jackets. But I wouldn't do it with Lil because that one the kids play with all the time. And it kind of makes me yeah. want to buy a separate copy for each of my kids so that they have their own set. <laughs> oh, fun. And as a little plug-in, we actually went back and forth, I don't know, two or three times. I'm not really sure. Because in order for it to be a dollhouse play experience, we actually had to come up with very sturdy, thick paper. And so we actually went through several rounds of prototypes to make sure it wasn't flimsy. And so, yeah, it wouldn't make very good wrapping paper, but most other covers would. Yeah. yeah and on the show notes at the bottom, we can put as well, it's on Sarah's website, there's printables where you can print out the characters as well. So if you lose Lola or Bear, I can't imagine kids would ever lose paper characters ever. Never. Uh, of you course. can always print out more. You can tell we're parents. <laughs> we thought this through. That's so funny. That is brilliant because of course a parent would think that through because that's what I thought too. Like how long until they all start crying over it? <laughs> Lola's leg over getting the- ripped off. It's okay. You can print another one. It's okay. I actually... I just have to say this because as parents, we can all understand. I actually had a reader Instagram message me a video of her three-year-old daughter crying because Lola had gotten lost. We're talking like, this is 24 hours after they got there. And I said, oh, don't worry. You just go to loladutch.com and print out another one. And the parent was like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. You seriously just solved my biggest parenting crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself because before we get into Lola Dutch, I know our listeners are going to want to hear about you and who you are. Tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. Well, I was raised in California and Sarah's from DC and we met at college out here uh, in Utah and we were both musical theater majors, believe it or not. So we got to know each other directing musicals together and doing acting and theater classes together. So right from the get-go, when we met each other, we were involved in collaborative, you know, collaborative endeavors, plays, skits, scenes, everything. And then three and a half years later, we just decided to keep the party going and we got married. And now (laughs) we have four kids. We've got a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a four-year-old. So to kind of follow up with that, I'm an artist and illustrator, and I've had my I launched my own website selling my own products, sarahjanestudios.com. Initially, I I started my freelance business as an illustrator and as as a designer to eventually teach myself how to be a children's book illustrator and author. But I initially started to get Kenneth through grad school. So I was a top-selling artist on Etsy for several years. Soon I got into the textile industry. So I actually designed fabric as a licensed designer with Michael Miller Fabric. So many people know me from the fabric world. But then Kenneth actually left the stage. You know, we decided that didn't really work with family life. I just changed stages. uh, (laughs) Actually teaches junior high school. So he teaches junior high and he's storytelling every day. He's a history teacher and I'm illustrating every day. And so for the past few years, we're like, wouldn't it just make sense to be an author illustrator duo? And Lola Dutch 
really was born from our philosophies in parenting, our experience with the stage and theater and storytelling. And just working with a lot of kids in school, and you know, both kids who are just incredibly gifted and bright, and then kids who have just certain challenges and struggles. And, and yeah, it was something that just really came from a very genuine place. So both of us, he's a full-time school teacher. I'm a full-time mom of four kids and run a full-time business illustrating and designing books and fabric. Okay. There's so many questions now bubbling up from what you just said. So you known you wanted to illustrate books for a long time then it sounds like, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to really get technical, I mean, we're talking like third grade. Third grade, I knew I was going to be a children's book author and illustrator. She actually has the journal. It's written down. Yeah. That, and you still have it. Oh my gosh. I can't even stand it. I love it so much. Okay. And so then this book, did one of you write it and one of you illustrated it? Was that more collaborative all the way through or how did that what, is it, what was that like? This one was very collaborative. The drawing came first. So I'll have Sarah tell you about it. The character came first. So in some ways, you could. it's a toss-up about what came first. So how we work as author-illustrator, I'll just kind of answer your question simply first. Kenneth is much more of a storyteller, and I'm obviously the illustrator. And so, for instance, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. The second Lola Dutch book, the third Lola Dutch book, which are all coming out, very much Kenneth did most of the writing and I did all the illustrating. The first book though, like with any book series, you're laying the groundwork for an entire world. And so the first book was really hard to tell. I can't even remember who did what when it comes to the first book. But I will tell you that the idea for the story really came from our parenting. I'm sure you can relate, Sarah, that having six kids, like sometimes you fall on the couch at the end of the day and me and Ken would just be like, this is just so much. Yeah, yeah. Phrase with our kids all the time because they are creative. My husband and I are very creative and we emphasize creativity in our home. So, this phrase, this is just too much, was a running phrase. <laughs> and Lola Dutch just kind of stemmed from that. Now, the actual nitty gritty of how we did the story, I actually came up with an illustration just for my shop of this girl and bear that maybe some of your readers even have hanging in their room. Like, it's a very popular art print. And it actually has drawn the attention of other possible collaborations that we ended up not pursuing. Hmm. And we decided to just write a story about this character. So the phrase is a little bit much having an over-the-top creative child. And the premise of the book was really very collaborative. Mm of what you love so much when you're reading the book is, you know, she's, I think at one point she says she's just bursting with ideas. And I, that just fell in love with her. I mean, she's impossible not to love and bears expressions. And so the characters in the books, you, or in the book, you've got, you know, bear, you've got a pig. I'm trying to remember. The Gator, boy. crane. Yep. Yeah. So basically there's Lola as the main character, bear as her caretaker. And then she really has three sidekicks, gator, crane, and pig. And how did you come up with those animals, like, or, or animals as characters, maybe. Do you really want to know the real reason? <laughs> Honestly, I was sitting down and I just had this image in my imagination and I just drew a picture. And it really had honestly nothing to do with any intention of writing a story, but I needed a medium-sized animal, a little animal, and a big animal. And they just intuitively kind of mind to paper were born, really. She thought in pictures and it just composition-wise looked good. But then, of course, once I saw the pictures, I'm, I'm saying, Sarah, who is this girl? Like, there is a story here. And Sarah was trying to form that up and trying to get it to take shape and it wasn't quite working. So 
she handed it off to me and I wrote out a couple drafts and went back to her. And then after, you know, several iterations back and forth, we had a story and a character that we were really just starting to fall in love with. And we felt like it had some momentum behind it. And we threw it out to our agent who loved it. And we threw it out to the publishers and they took it with open arms. So we were ecstatic. And um, really quick, back to your question about the three characters. I do want to say that intuitively, I knew Lola's personality was so big. And when I, when I illustrated her and I drew her, and as we were talking about this, I just kind of felt like she needs three imaginary friends or whatever you want to call them that are really an extension of her. Like Gator Crane and Pig are her friends. They're her family, but they're also an extension of her. And with a personality that big, I needed her to have more, I don't know, like hands. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, collaborators, co-conspirators in her plots. And they're perfect for that because they just seem to go along, except for Bear, who's always a little bit worried, but they seem to go along right with her big, fantastical dreams and plans. So you said your kids are all creative and creativity is a value in your home. And I can Mm -hmm. sense that in the book that it feels like a story that makes us remember how important it is for us to have fingers in a lot of different pots and just like let our ideas run wild. Is that what you were trying to do with something like that? Yeah, and to let, let kids have the courage to do that. Kids, when they're small, they tend to just want to try stuff and try new things. And if the parents just get out of the way and give them the encouragement, they'll, they'll do that of their own volition. We noticed some kids, as they started to get a little bit older, they started to lose a little bit of that drive. So Lola Dutch, in some ways, was made to give encouragement and give a pat on the back to the kids that are still enthusiastic and still on fire and still curious about the world. And just say, look, here's somebody just like you, and we love it, and we need more people like you. But at the same time, we also have one, we have a son who's a little more on the timid side. And he is curious, but he's worried about messing up, or he's worried about making too much of a mess. And so we also wrote Lola Dutch for all of those kids who maybe just need a little bit of encouragement to try new things and to just be brave and bold. And, you know, it's okay if things break and don't turn out right. You know, wake up tomorrow and let's have another amazing day and try it again. So you've already alluded to having more. That was one of the questions I was going to ask because the first time I read it, I thought this is a series. This has to be a series. We have to have more Lola. (laughs) We need more Lola Dutch in our lives. So can you tell us anything about that? Sure. So the first book was very much kind of setting the groundwork. And, you know, we even had some early reviewers kind of allude to the fact that maybe the plot wasn't exactly what they were expecting from a standalone book, but that was exactly on purpose that we really wanted to establish a personality. We wanted to establish a philosophy of living. And the second and third books are very much more tied to a specific theme. So I think we can say the second book. I think it's already out there in the world somewhere. The second book is Lola Dutch, When I Grow Up. So Lola has the same type of kind of freak out from just having too many ideas. But this one is tied to her specific problem of not knowing what she wants to be when she grows up. Because every time she gets a hold of a book, she just gets so many ideas. And she wants to be everything and she wants to learn about everything. So the book is fun and funny. You you can't relate from trying to do too many things. (laughs) You you don't know what that's like? Yeah, exactly. As you're saying this, I'm like, see, this is why I loved Lola Dutch because I read the book and I thought, oh, this is a book about me. You're like, I just want to do all the things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and going back to that, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but I think it's interesting because we wrote Lola Dutch from very specific person, personal experience. I mean, I wrote it from my own perspective as a child. I was Lola Dutch. My husband was Lola Dutch. That's how I was raised. But also 
our oldest child was actually very much Lola Dutch. If we were to pick a child, it would be our oldest who really struggled with fitting in with the world because she was so curious and was so passionate that, and often her friends weren't really that type and we wanted to give her a friend. But I will say, yeah, but what I wanted to say about the subsequent books is so many of the readers so far have said, oh my goodness, I relate to her so much. And I think it's because we all have that in us. And so the second book and the third book really go through kind of those scenarios that I think we've all found ourselves in, not knowing what to be when we grow up. And then the third book goes in into other situations where most people can relate. Mm-hmm. Well, and then as we get older and we sort of lose touch with that creative, whimsical side of ourselves, I think that's something that the adults who are reading Lola Dutch to their children will light up with because they'll recognize that there is a Lola Dutch inside of them. That's that this is, feels familiar. That's right. I forgot who this was, you know? And I think what's fun for the adults reading is most adults have said, Lola Dutch is me and Bear is me. <laughs> because I think as adults, yes. even the most creative of us, I mean, Kenneth and I are pretty creative, but both of us have had several moments of being Bear, of wait, I don't know if I can take this today. I don't know if I can make a mess in the kitchen. This is just too much. So we find ourselves as adults, I think, relating to both. We'll get back to today's episode in just a moment, but I wanted to take a minute to make sure you know that the brand new book, The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids, is available now. This is a brand new book I wrote just for you because I know that you'll never regret the time you spend reading aloud with your kids. Also know that connecting deeply with our families can be really difficult in our busy, technology-driven, loud world, right? Reading aloud is one of the best ways to be fully present with our kids even after they can read themselves. In the book, The Read Aloud Family, you're going to find the inspiration you need to start a read aloud movement in your own home. You'll discover how to prepare your kids for academic success and develop their empathy and compassion through books. You'll find out how you can find time to read aloud even in the midst of your busiest days with school and sports and dinner dishes. You'll learn how to choose books across a variety of sibling interests and ages, and you'll learn how to make reading aloud the very best part of your family's day. The Read Aloud family offers some age-appropriate book lists. I've read every single book (laughs) from cover to cover that's in this book, and there are almost 400 recommendations, I believe, at last count. From a toddler's wonder to a teenager's resistance, you're going to find practical strategies and the book recommendations to match so that you can make reading aloud a meaningful family ritual in your home. I believe reading aloud and not only has the power to change your family, it has the power to change the world. The book's available now wherever books are sold, or you can head right to thereadaloudfamily.com to grab your copy today. As a parent, the beautiful thing is all of a sudden you have these kids who have never had these first experiences before. They've never sat down and they've never made chocolate chip cookies from scratch before. And you get to be there with them and have sort of this vicarious first experience again with them. And this when you Lola dives into new books and new interests and it's Bear gets to come along for the ride. And by the end, he's smiling because he's realizing that he's caught up in the magic of newness and discovery again. (laughs) I love it. I just love it. Do you have a publication date for the next Lola Dutch books or are those not? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the second book, I'm pretty sure they're all coming out pretty close to the same time. So the second, the first book came out January 30th of 2018. The second book will come out January 30th of 2019. 
And then the third book, I believe, is scheduled for a Valentine's Day release, which I don't even know what that is, but it's pretty much going to be the following 2020. year. Yeah. Okay. So like one new book a year, basically. Mm-hmm. So that works. Yeah. And on those new books, you said that Kenneth pretty much wrote the books and then you illustrated. So that's sort of after this world has been created because you basically created this new world with the first book. Mm-hmm. One of the questions we get from a lot of kids who are listening to the podcast is how long does it take? Because we have a lot of blossoming young writers and illustrators. Can you talk to the kids a little bit about what that is like for you, that process of writing and illustrating and maybe how long it takes? Yes. We usually just, for the sake of a simple answer, we usually say about a year. And the reason is, is because once you get working with a publisher, there are a lot of different aspects that maybe you're not considering as just the author or just the illustrator. So the actual art takes a certain amount of time. The actual writing takes a certain amount of time. But then you also have to consider all the back and forth edits between your editor and the back and forth art checks between the art director And then there's the actual time of it getting printed. So that's even longer if you consider that. The first book we wrote and sketched out in about four months before we handed it to our agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from that point on, it took maybe another four to six months to actually perfect it to the point of a finished product. So we usually say about a year. Which is always interesting to say, because if you're actually calculating hours versus days or months, is that this isn't the only thing you're doing. Yeah, right. So many other things. So there's some days when you're hitting it very intensely. And Sarah and I will actually, we'll, we'll schedule times where we'll go away for three days and we will get more done in those three days just working intensely together than we do in three months or Sarah jokes, sometimes three years. <laughs> uh, we're just able to get away as a couple, but it's delightful. We just love working together. And honestly, we wish we could just do it more. Do you ever, <laughs> this is probably not a nice question for me to ask you in front of each other. Do you ever disagree? Is that your question? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever look at it like Kenneth, do you ever look at her pictures and say, no, that's not right? Or Sarah, do you read something he wrote and say, that's not going to work? You know, what's interesting is because we both come from the theater world, we're used to working on a creative process and getting critiqued. Mm-hmm. That was just, both of us very much came from a situation where we would sit down, a director would give you feedback and you'd take adjustments. So we're very open with each other, but we're also, we're, we're just, we're naturally kind people. And so that helps. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I would never say anything mean because that's just not who I am, especially not to Sarah. And she would never do that to me back. So if there's something that's just not working, then we articulate it. We try to work our way around it. And there are times when we realize we are just too tired to be working on this right now. Yeah. And we just need to come back to it another day. Yeah. I mean, we're always, you know, putting our marriage first. I think writing and illustrating together as a couple. I mean, if you have a pretty fun marriage and pretty great marriage, gosh, go for it. If you struggle in the communication department, I'd say work on that first because (laughs) communication is so key. But kind of like Kenneth said, coming from the theater world, you know, at the end of the day, you're really, you're, it's the, it's not about Kenneth and it's not about me and it's not about our egos. It's about creating something outside of ourselves Mm. that really is excellent. And so we can look at it and say, you know what, that's a really good idea. There have actually been times when I'll say, that's a really good idea, but you know what? I'm not really good at illustrating, blah, blah, blah. What if we had the same concept, but it was an illustration of this? Or sometimes he'll say, ah, maybe we need a little more action on this page. This is more of what I was thinking. And so sometimes too, I'll look at her picture and all of a sudden there's just this little sparkle in the eye of one character or a little way she's drawn a gesture and I say, you know what, what I wrote, my word, that doesn't work anymore. So I go back and I revise the text because the feeling of what she drew was better. So 
there's no ego over kind of who gets their way. It's about which it's about which one really ends up working. And both of us want that. And there's a lot of give and take back and forth and respect for the other's craft. Who named her? Or did you do that together? Or how did her name come um, about? We we did that together. So the is a little bit much was a phrase that we had for several years. And at one point, actually, the first draft of the story that Kenneth wrote, it was actually Lola was the girl and Dutch was the bear. Yeah, that's the, the, I still have the first yeah. version. They were separate. Uh-huh. I actually have those, um, those folders still on my computer. I still have a Lola and Dutch. Lola folder. and Dutch. Oh, and the interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. it rhymes so well. And, and the family name, the, her last name, Dutch, is actually, my husband and I really love our family histories and we actually don't have any family history in common, any family lines, but we actually found a long time ago, one single family line that we're both connected to. And that family line was Dutch. And so... And we know she there was a Parisian feel to it. And mm-hmm. we came across the name Lola and it just, it, it works beautifully. Yeah, it just worked beautifully. So really the name came from that phrase is a little bit much... And there's not that much that rhymes with Dutch. I know. You're you're (laughs) slim pickings when you're trying to find a last name that rhymes (laughs) with much. It's pretty great, but it's also, I mean, just when you look at the cover, and and, I mean, it almost is that there is no other name that could quite fit her. So you guys just did perfect with that. That's how we felt too. (laughs) Yeah. Have you guys seen Keo McClear's book, Julia Child, her picture book? I have. In fact, I think we own it. The illustrator is... Oh, Julie Morstead. My kids who love Lola Dutch also really love Julia Child. And there's like a similar spirit to those books, I think. So do you know what's interesting? That's funny that you mentioned it. I actually haven't pointed this out to anybody yet. So on that third or fourth page, when she's bursting into the kitchen with a big idea for breakfast, yeah. we actually wanted to put Julia Child on the book she was reading. <laughs> Julia embodied that spirit, but the publishers felt that Julia Child was still too much of a modern icon. We wanted to keep it classic. So it says French cuisine on that third page, but the kitchen actually, the, the, not a hundred percent because it's not Julia Child's kitchen, but I actually chose the color of her cabinets based on Julia Child's kitchen. Oh, that is so Hello. funny. So there's a slight nod to Julia yeah. Child. Very I slim. love it. <laughs> That's great you pointed that out, though, because, yes, she. when we kind of were thinking of different characters that would embody each phase that she goes through, through her art history phase and architecture phase and cooking phase, Julia Child was our inspiration. Because she gave that inspiration to people all over the world where say, you can learn. Mm-hmm. French cuisine. Why not? Here's the book. You have a kitchen. Go figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. It's that spirit of trying new things and just sort of letting your ideas run wild and seeing where they take you. And but that's what I love about Lola Dutch is they take her a little, they get her a little out of sorts, <laughs> which is also very true to what real life feels like for those of us who end up having a lot of ideas and trying to run with them. So there's so much to love about this book. One final question. What surprised you most about sending this book out into the world now that it's had lots of readers and you've been talking to readers at bookstores and on podcasts, what surprised you most? I think one of the things that just shocked me right from the get-go is we went to one of our very first book events was at Kepler's in the Bay Area, which you just love. And we're standing there and a whole group of kids are all coming in and parents are coming in. Then I look over and there's this little girl dressed up as Lola Dutch. She's got the skirt. She's got the shirt. She's got the little Peter Pan collar and the bow. Her mom had made it at nap time. 
And, oh. and I just looked at this little girl dressed up as this character that we created. And I'm realizing that she now has a life of her own. Yes. You craft this inside your own mind, inside your studio, and then you send it out into the world. And what I've really been so happy about is I first thought I was sending out a character that needed to make a statement and sort of teach something. But I'm realizing she actually doesn't need to teach anything because so many people are coming back to me saying, I am her. Mm-hmm. I am her. I am just like that. And so I think what she's doing is giving permission and encouragement that we're all kind of like each other in this way. And it's helping people who are kind of like Lola Dutch just to find each other and give each other support and say like, go get a stack of books, go figure out how to do it. Yeah. 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 She's not yours anymore. Basically you sent her out into the world and now she's taken on a life of her own. Mm-hmm. That was me, but Sarah, what do you think? I, I think I was going to say the same thing that how many people have identified with this character that really for us felt like a fifth child. Mm-hmm. And we were, we very much created Lola Dutch from a feels very- Feels like a curtain. Yeah, fifth, feels like know. a- <laughs> But we created this character from such a real, honest, and I think this is a tip maybe that I can give to any aspiring authors or illustrators too, that when you create from a real, authentic, honest place, that's usually when you're going to get the most universal appeal. And that's the irony is that you feel like you're creating something so specific possibly even niche or something that is personal to you. But when you create from that personal space, that's what all of humanity grasps onto is that personal nature of this character. So I was surprised by how many people said, I'm Lola Dutch, because when we wrote it, I was Lola Dutch, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of it, I think, too, is that we all feel a little more like each other. And there's, I mean, there's always, it's always helpful for us to find familiar and similar things in each other because it helps us all love each other a little more. We read to know we're not alone. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. At loladutch.com, you guys have a resources page where you can get those paper puppets. I'm looking at them right now because I'm going to print those off as soon as we hang up the phone. (laughs) You've got a Lola Dutch coloring page and a book hunt challenge. So listeners, you can go to loladutch.com to get those resources. Is there anywhere else our listeners should find you online? You're also welcome to go to sarahjanestudios.com. I do have, because I do have my own shop with products, we actually have lapel pins and we have fine art prints signed that people can purchase to, you know, hang in the wall. We're also going to be having a Lola Dutch doll come out by Mary, with Merrymakers, which will be available on Amazon or sarahjanestudios.com. So go to loladutch.com or sarahjanestudios.com and you're set. Oh my goodness. I have a little girl who will flip about that doll. So (laughs) we are going to have one of those in our house, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you, Kenneth and Sarah Jane. This has been a complete treat. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hello, my name is Noble Davis. I live in Concord, North Carolina. I am six years old. My favorite book is The Best Christmas Pageant Ever. And the best part about it is the part when they burn down Fred's two sheds. <laughs> and then what do they get? Free donuts. Donuts. <clears throat> What's your name? Christian Davis, and I am nine years old, and I live in Concord, North Carolina. 
My favorite book is Bullfinch's Mythology. My favorite part about it is when Zeus sends down girls as a punishment for boys. <laughs> my name is Judah Davis. I am 10 years old. I live in Cockroach, North Carolina. My favorite book is Anne of Green Gables. What I like about it is that I like her imagination and how she imagined things. And my favorite part is when she breaks the, her slate over Gilbert Blythe's head. My name is Phineas Caleb Davis. I live in Concord, North Carolina, and I'm 12 years old. My favorite book is The Hobbit, and my favorite thing about it are the riddles when Bilbo is down with, riddling with Gollum and when Bilbo is talking to Smog. My name is Corbin Davis. I am 13 years old, and my favorite book is The Wednesday Wars. And one of the things I like about it is how he reads Shakespeare and memorizes it and uses a bunch of curses from The Tempest and stuff like that. And my favorite part is when the rats are chasing him around. My name is Harrison Davis. I am 15 years old. And my favorite book is Three Men in a Boat by Jerome K. Jerome. And my favorite part is probably when they're trying to open the pineapple tin. My name is Marin. I'm seven years old. I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And my favorite book that my mom has read to me is Heidi. And my favorite part is when Heidi brings the kittens in the house and scares Miss Brommer. And my favorite book I've read myself is Mr. Chinkutik. My name is Hudson, and I'm five years old, and I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. My favorite book is Snip Snap, What's That? And my favorite part is when they say, You bet they were. What's your name? Benjamin. Benjamin, how old are you? Three. You're two. Two. What's your favorite book? Owl babies. Owl babies. That's right, and she came, owl babies. Hi, my name's Magdalene, and I'm five years old, and I live in Twin Falls, Idaho. My favorite book is The Mermaid's Purse by Patricia Polacco, and I think it, I think it's the best because she gives out books that are hers, and she lets other people read it. And one book she read. That one book saved a farmer's sheep. Hi, my name is Lucy, and I am free old, old, and we live in Idaho. My book is All Better. And By Osborne Books. Hi, my name is Drew. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm eight years old. My favorite book is This Is My Home, This Is My School by Johnson Mean. And the reason why I like it is because it's like a family and because there's a part where the teacher gets tired from doing a lot of stuff. And I read it backwards, so it was really funny. Hi, my name is Natalie. I'm 11 years old. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and my favorite book is Wings of Fire. It's a book series, and I like it because there's lots of fantasy, and there are different types of dragons in it, and it's just pretty funny what they say sometimes. Hi, my name is Corey, and I'm seven years old. I live in California, and my favorite book is Rapunzel and the Lost Lagoon by Leela Howland, and I like it because there's a ton of mystery. Hi, my name is Taylor, 
I'm 12 years old and I live in California. My favorite book that's been read aloud to me is The Green Ember by S.D. Smith, and I like it because it's full of adventure and suspense. What's your name? Micah. Micah. And how old are you? Three. Three. And where do you live? I'm in California. California. And what's your favorite book? Big Big Book of Big Chucks by Megan Collis and Mike Byrne. And why is that your favorite book? Because and I like because it has big chucks. Hi, I'm MJ and I'm six years old. I'm from Miami, Florida. And my favorite book is a series of Narnia because there's a lot of action and I love listening to not like audio books and books because I really like reading and making cards for people. And my favorite thing is that my mom, she was a little girl because her dad used to read them to her. And what I like about it is my first favorite is the... The Last Battle. It's the last book of the whole series of Narnia. And um, I like listening to audiobooks and actual books. And this is the end. Bye. <laughs> Hello, my name is Annabelle. And I'm from Miami, Florida. My favorite book is Alice in Wonderland. It's my favorite book. And Mom used to read it. And um, What's your favorite part in the book? My favorite part is when she gets lost and the cat comes. That's my favorite part. And how old are you, Annabelle? I am five. Okay, is that it? The end. Hi, my name is Solomon. How old are you, Solomon? Three. And what's your favorite book, little buddy? Little Blue Trucks Custers. And what do you like about that book? The lineups. Does it light up at the end? Huh? Anything else you like about the book? Love this part. What is it? It's the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree? Uh-huh. And there's a blue truck. And the little blue truck? Uh-huh. Let me look at it. Tiny. Okay. <laughs> okay. They can't see it, though, okay? Let me see. Is there anything else you want to say about the little blue truck? I want to show it to oh, you. Oh, they can't see it, though, buddy. I got... Um, Christmas and I want my mom to read it to you. Thank you so much, kids. I love hearing your book recommendations. That's it for this episode. Hey, it's going to be two weeks before we come at you with episode 100. It's going to be worth waiting for, waiting that one extra week. (laughs) We usually release new episodes of the Read Aloud Revival podcast every Tuesday, but we're going to make you wait two weeks this time. It'll be worth it because we're talking to the author of The Penderwicks, which is a New York Times bestselling series. And of course, the first book won a National Book Award. We're talking to Jeannie Birdsall, who created the Penderwick series. It's worth the wait. It's coming at you on Tuesday, May 15th. If you don't get email updates when new episodes are live, what are you waiting for? You'll want those. So head to readaloudrevival.com, pop your email into the page there. It's also a good idea to subscribe in your podcast app. So whether you're listening in your iPhone podcast app or to a Stitcher app, in Overcast or whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast, hit subscribe next to Read Aloud Revival and that way you won't miss episodes when they show up there. So we'll see you in two weeks with episode 100. (laughs) In the meantime, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books.